They're a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Puck with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. Well, welcome everybody to yet another episode of Tom and Matt's Excellent Podcast. We have been a little bit lax of late, a little busy, so I'm sure you're pleased to hear from us this time round. I'm on the line with Matty Matt Crummins. How are you, Matty? I'm good. I'm good. Can I can I hear where are you? Jeez, I, there's something there's something in the background. Yeah, I feel as though I can hear like is there a banjo playing or something? It not a banjo. Like it it no? might just be the birds. The birds, the birds are singing. Uh the banjo, why oh. are you here we go. There's a bad joke coming here, isn't there? I've no, it's it. not a bad joke. It's it's not that uh, at all. It's it's just it looks like you're in a trailer park, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm staying, in, I'm staying in the world's dodgiest caravan park uh, here in Kununurra in the Kimberley in Western Australia. Yes, I am in Western Australia, believe it or not. They do allow Victorians in here every now and again when they just forget about just us. Not, just not allowed out, yeah. <laughs> well, oh my God, this is the irony, right? Um, so we had we have five weeks of workshops here. It's been booked for over 12 months, of course, with COVID. That's through a spanner in the works, but we were hoping to get things done, which we are successfully, fingers crossed, at this stage. But I was in Karajini running back-to-back workshops there in the Pilbara, and then this recent lockdown in Perth occurred, and it was a three-day lockdown. When do I have to fly back into Perth to then fly up here to the Kimberley? Well, during that lockdown, day one. So I get to, fun. Yeah, fun. So I've got no other option. I'm like in the Pilbara wondering whether or not I should be jumping on that plane or not, whether I could hitchhike, whether I could, you know, steal the hire car and drive it 20 hours to get here and just dump it somewhere. Not that I'd ever do that. You know, Tom, there was an easy solution for this the whole time. You just needed to tell them that you had to attend a wedding there and then you're allowed to fly in and out as much as you want. Really? A wedding? Yeah, well, isn't that what caused the lockdown in the first place? <laughs> this is it. No, you've got to fly to India and back to be able to do that. Oh, that's, that's, maybe you that's, could have gone a little detour. That's permissible. So <laughs> eventually I jumped on the plane because I convinced myself that I would just take my bags from the terminal, go and quarantine, self-quarantine in a hotel, not in one they'd specified, just I won't speak to anyone, I won't touch anyone, I'll just go to a hotel, I'll just hang out there. And then two days later, I'll catch the plane, again, still during lockdown, up here to the Kimberley. Well, that went down the toilet in about two seconds when I collected my bag, went to the police officers in the terminal, and the terminal was quite frantic, by the way. And uh, and they said, no, you've entered the red zone. And I said, but I'm still in the terminal. And they said, no, nah, bad luck, you're here. Um, you might as well go to your mate's place. Don't bother going to a hotel hang out with him and uh, and see you later type thing. And I'm like, but I need to fly up to Kununurra on Monday. And they said, is your work deemed essential? And I said, uh, to me it is. <laughs> and they said, what about your employer? And I said, well, I am my own employer. And they went, oh, so what is it that you do? And I said, oh, I'm in, I'm in tourism. And they went, nah, nah, you're not going to be able to not fly. It's, it's essential workers only. And so I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm gutted. And I'm like, but hold on. My friends who have just traveled with me from Pilbara are now jumping on planes to other cities. Why is that allowed? And they said, oh, well, that's interstate. That's for the you know border authorities to deal with once they get to Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. We're just trying to restrict people moving around WA, which is ironic anyway, because they announced the lockdown at like, you know, one, two, three in the afternoon and said, you've got till midnight to get out of here. And so that's what everyone did in Perth. It was a long weekend. They all packed up their bags and they all went to their holiday houses in the regional areas. I'm sure the regional cities were very happy with that scenario. Just I think you've got to, you need to uh, consider changing your job description, I think. So the problem is, don't say you're in tourism. I can see you're wearing a Karajini uh, National Parks top there. Yeah, um, Ranger, Tom. Said that Ranger I, Tom. I was I was going to say you should have said, "Oh, look, I'm a park ranger," and because uh, it certainly looks like it. You you sort of look like a slightly, you know, older, tireder version of Steve Irwin. <laughs> you kind of just for those who can't see, um, obviously, uh, I can see a video I, feed of Tom, I, and um, I do look yeah. very tired. Yes, I'm actually. 
I mean, probably a very inappropriate thing to say, but you probably look exactly like Steve Irwin right now. <laughs> <laughs> if Steve Irwin was still alive, this is what he looked like. No, no, not no. If, if he was oh, still alive, on, actually. That's, um, that's, that, yeah. that's inappropriate. <laughs> um, so what did I do? Uh, I looked but up. you made it. You, Go on. No, you made it though. Well, you did. made it to I where you I are. did. I'll just quickly finish the story because it's very long-winded and everyone's lost interest by now already. Um I, I spoke to Mary and she said, but that doesn't sound right. It's not a hard, hard lockdown. She said, remember when we were in lockdown, it was like work from home if you could, but otherwise you were allowed to travel. So I said, all right, yeah, good point. So I went onto the WA website that was updated that day. It said work from home if you had to. Non-essential travel is is obviously banned or, 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 or uh, you know, not allowed. But if you if you can't work from home, you're allowed to travel. So I rocked up at the airport on Monday. Virgin Terminal in Perth, very nice new terminal. It's a, it's like a ghost town. It is like three Virgin staff standing there, you know, twiddling their thumbs. I check my bag in. I go up through security. Again, no one there other than the security. And and just whilst my way through, no questions asked, no why are you here, why no police, no border security, no nothing. Not, not even asking why you had a fever and a runny nose <laughs> and coughing everywhere. I did. I did cough into my elbow. If that oh, that's consolation. Good. good. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. now I'm here, and we start our workshop uh, tomorrow morning. We lift off. This is a workshop that I don't know anybody else offering at this stage. Not just because it's in the Kimberley, but because it's it's for um, it's for it's for um, you know, it's not a private tour as such but sort it's of for, it, for like for it's, billionaires it's, kind of isn't it <laughs> and australia's only got about it's four a six of them, day heli so. <laughs> it's a six day heli safari through the kimberley where our only mode of transport is a helicopter so it's it's pretty goddamn unique um i've been planning this for five years and thank god it's finally here because um it's been a long time coming, so I can't wait to start. It's going to be amazing. These guys are going to be shooting like 10, 12, 15 hours worth of aerials over the next week. So, yeah, and they get to see parts of the Kimberley that no one else well, no one else has probably, you know, had the privilege to see. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Anyway. I'm a little bit jealous, to be honest, because I'm going to Bright next week, which is actually amazing. I love Bright, <laughs> but as I was just saying it's to not you, quite the Kimberley. Um, I had... No, I had a workshop there as well last week and we had cracking weather, like just the best conditions. But next week, um, uh, hopefully it proves me wrong, but it's, 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 it's looking like it might be more of an underwater photography workshop. So, <laughs> well, well, you are an underwater photographer, Matt, so therefore well, that suits true. you to a T. Uh, it does you to suit a me. Tea. I'm not bring sure your, how it suits Bring your water housing, is that right? <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's it. I was wondering, how do you think? What do you think about keeping cameras dry in the rain? I was thinking, you know, you can buy those covers and stuff, which sounds great, and most cameras are pretty water, you know, resistant. I'll say, but I thought to myself, I reckon one of the most underrated things is just to wrap it in Glad wrap, like just get a whole stack of Glad wrap there and just, you know, I mean, if it, no. if it can sort of keep everything, no, not a good idea. I guess it might sort of well. It sweats, the water Matthew. In. When I wrap my when I wrap myself in Glad wrap, not for any other purpose, uh, just to lose a few kilos. <laughs> it sweats. It's, it's so get- that's, that's not. <laughs> well, actually, so a camera the- a camera probably wouldn't sweat because a camera doesn't have a heartbeat. So yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, don't don't uh, say that. That, that sort of. <laughs> that's I don't know. Like a, yeah, exactly. The, you know, let's treat our cameras nicely. But speaking of Treat cameras, them. though, you Treat you have like um, people. No, 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 don't got, go onto that topic yet. I need to backtrack. No, the I just, because I feel like I you've got a confession need, to make. I think I do, but I think I, I've had. I've, I've, okay, I've got two. Relevant two. to your last point, which is a perfect segue, is that I recently killed yet another medium format digital camera with, I think, water damage. Oh, not fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you saw my recent post. No, no, no. Um, no, the Pentax, it stopped working in Tassie, and I think it was the rain that it got in Arnhem Land. You know when you use a camera and it gets a little bit wet and you think, oh, no, it'll be okay, and you blow the water off the buttons and you wipe it down and, oh, good, it's still working. Mm. So I've done this it just needs to marinate in its own rust for a little while. <laughs> 
<laughs> quite right. I've done this a few times now. In fact, the last time I did it to a camera was in the Kimberley as well. Just, you know, it's that little drop that is the straw that breaks the camel's back. And then yeah. all of a sudden, yeah. your camera that used to work perfectly no longer wants to work or even turn on. So this is the second mm. Pentax I've killed in five years. And that, But the thing is, though, when you do get water like that, I'm always, if someone called me and said, Matt, this just happened to my camera, I'm the first person to be like, oh, look, it'll probably be okay. But as a precaution, put it in a bag of rice. Just, you know, just there's no harm. Yep. And then would Matt do it? Not a chance. Like there is not a chance well, that I would, I'd be like, oh, she'll be right. <laughs> but um, it's always that advice he gives to everyone else, isn't it? Like you tell them, oh, just, you know, take take the safe route. But but when you do it yourself, it's, yeah, you that's just kind of go, oh, nah, it should be, should be it. right. Just, right. So another dead location. camera. I just realized another dead camera. And then also, um, and then also I've, I've acquired a camera as well, which is what you're alluding to. So yeah, and I just um, feel like there's a bit of a "I told you so" happening. That's all. Oh, I feel like you're, there's you're for someone who is so because it's an, well, it is another one. Because first of all, you went from medium format to iPhone, and now I can see you're upgrading again. But <laughs> um, it, these feel like conversations we've had in the past where you're pretty adamant that um, you know medium format's the bomb. You wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, it's the yes. only camera. Everyone else is a bit crap. Yes. Um, and yes. I just feel like you're sort of. <laughs> really experimenting all over the place with, with pretty much any technology someone brings out. You're like a 13-year-old kid, just, um, oh, new technology. I'll, I'll buy one of those. What, so, so tell us. You've, you've, yes, yes. You, you went to the phone, and obviously the phone serves oh. the purpose of, of quick and easy and a bit quick and cheap and dirty, but it does the job. But yep. now yes, you have made what I'm going to say is a quantum leap into the future. <laughs> tell everyone, what, what, have you, what, what have you done? What, what Yeah. Well, I've gone mirrorless. There you go. I've dropped Whoa. the bomb. I've gone mirrorless. And, and, and what I, size is the I sensor? You must have bought one of the Fuji. It must be the Fuji G, whatever it is. It's like, you know, the, the medium format mirrorless, right? GFX. Or Hasselblad. No, no, too heavy. Too heavy. <gasps> too heavy. You didn't You didn't downsize, did you? I, I tell you what. The professional I, landscape I, I photographer like downsized. Oh, God. Don't, don't tell oh. anybody. But I did actually go with that very sexy little Nikon Z7. 46 megapixels of goodness. There you go. You've wow. heard it right here, right now. Glad we wow. got that out. <laughs> yeah. I feel much better for it, man. It was like a real weight on my shoulders. I just I Literally. didn't know how one was going to respond. And uh, I was worried that I'd be judged. And so um, I just wanted I, I heard they're pulling the lease on the gallery. <laughs> No, they're probably they're doing like, that he for just, other he just does. When you don't pay your bills, they tend to pull your lease. But, um, <laughs> you know, I was down in Tassie walking with Ollie, and I tell you what, the crunch was the, the the defining moment for me. Up until now, when I've picked up my my camera bag, a very nice F stock Talopa, one of the sort of biggest ones you can get, I fill it with stuff, and I I pick it up and I don't think anything of it, and I walk around with it, and it never feels like a problem. Other people pick it up and go, geez, that's heavy. How do you go with that? And I go, ah, oh, no problem, right? I'm big and strong. Now, I'm not so big and strong anymore and not as young as I used to be. Uh, 47 very soon, Matthew. You wouldn't know it though. Wow. Or 23. And, and I'm picking up my bag and going, geez, it's heavy. And so I thought, this is ridiculous. Mm. If I want to carry my gear around and enjoy, you know, the outdoors, I need a lighter system. So I'm now going to buy another Fuji, no, another Pentax. I might graduate to the Fuji, but I'm not as cashed up as, as some. I might... Buy... Hashtag Cam Blake photography. <laughs> Cam Blake, yeah. Cam Blake. <laughs> recycles a camera every week. <laughs> Hashtag Nick Fletcher living on Beach Road. Yeah, well... Holiday houses here, there and everywhere. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> He's got the new DJI helicopter, not drone. This, yeah. this, this, <laughs> he's unbelievable, isn't he? Anyway, let's not. Anyway, I don't want to waste back, my back to. I don't want to waste my. Oh, pencil. okay. <laughs> so, so, he, so he hasn't called me in weeks. You know, he has not even called yeah. me to see how I am. Well, I guess after you ditched the festival this year, I guess we're all feeling a bit hurt. So, but anyway, that's okay. Um, do real work rather than just partying <sighs> for three days. 
Yeah, well, I guess that's probably a wise choice for many of us. <laughs> so tell us though. Okay, so you've made this decision. You've switched over to the Nikon mirrorless. And yes. I've made a very similar but slightly different decision recently. But you just said you uh, bought are we getting into the topic as well. Of, are we getting into no, the topic we're of 14 not. minutes? We're not. I, I, we're not at all. I want to know. You just said you bought another Pentax as well, and I'm thinking, what are you I doing? You I haven't. No, I'm fishing around for one. I'm fishing around right. for it because what I want to do is just keep the. the I, I went shooting aerials with the Nikon the other day, and it felt like a bit of a toy camera. And when you've got the the door off on a Cessna and the winds, you know, howling along at 100 kilometers an hour, the weight of a, a medium format Pentax is going to work better for me for aerials than a Nikon, mm. even though you've got, obviously you've got, there was nothing wrong with the photos, nothing wrong with the files. They were all perfectly sharp. The in-body stabilization is no doubt amazing. But um, I just feel like it's more of a camera that will suit my purpose for aerials. I was going to say it feels more like a, a real camera, but I didn't say that. The Nikon, As opposed to your iPhone. I love which... <laughs> Do, you know what? Do you know what, Matthew? You're like holding up a mirror to me. That's yeah. Do that I don't like it. It's, I don't like it's the it. bags under my eyes, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but okay. But this is this. So you've just probably touched on one of the biggest things that pisses me off in the photography world. Oh, um, oh, and it's now, firing now, up now you've upset me. Yeah. Oh god. But not the topic you that we're talking this about today. Or not? Clearly, you haven't had I, a coffee. I, I had two coffees, but I had a pretty poor sleep. I've been on. Um, I've been doing late night workshops um, via Zoom to Jakarta, so um, I'm not getting to bed till very late because they're doing, it's their night time, which is my Amazing. middle of the night, so it's a bit sucky. But um, but you don't my you don't sleep my, anyway. What I heard no, who needs sleep? Um, me very much so. <laughs> he just walks off. He's just mic dropped, walked off. He's gone back to his caravan to. <laughs> To, to, to cook up a raccoon or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I've got to find a shaded spot in here. I've moved places <laughs> twice now. So my biggest issue that you just mentioned is you just talked about how you want your camera bag to weigh less because, you know, like it's so chunky and big. And I see this all the time on workshops where people go and they buy, you know, they might have had a full frame, I don't know, Canon 5D or something, whatever it is. And they go, oh, I just need something lighter. So they go and buy themselves like yes. a crop sensor or they go and buy themselves a mirrorless or whatever. But now you've got two cameras and they still seem to carry both of them around because they're like, well, you know, as a backup, <laughs> which I think in most cases, I think you yes. don't really need a backup, but that's fine. But if you've got two cameras that take two different lens mounts, all of a sudden when you are downsizing your bag, you've actually just doubled the size because you need to carry two camera systems. So what is the logic in buying a Z7 Mark II with lenses and then going, oh, that's going to cut down the bag weight, but then I'll still chuck my old brick in there as well. It just, that feels illogical because when you travel, <laughs> you're still going to have to carry both cameras now. It doesn't make sense. And if I this is holding me you, up and you've just realized that that's a stupid idea, then good. I, I hate <laughs> it when you bring logic to the conversation, Matthew. It's very boring. It's very boring when you do that. Um, uh, my justification for it is that I will use the Pentax more if I'm, if I'm not traveling. Traveling to Karachini? Ah, okay, yeah. So the no, person who's doing like 15 hours in a helicopter across the next seven days. Um, you're, not, you're not carrying it through the bush. What you're doing is you may well be jumping on a plane with it, but uh, you're, you're not carrying it through the bush. So therefore what you're doing is just jumping out of the car, grabbing the camera and jumping in a plane or a helicopter. Mm. Okay, yes. so it's more like you'll 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 carry all the baggage to the location and then choose what you take for the day. Yes, I'm just trying to get. I'm just trying to wrap my head around this because it just seems stupid. That's hey, look, I haven't done this yet. I haven't committed to this. I haven't bought another Pentax, so don't shout me down. I do. This have is as bad as my decision. Back on yes. <laughs> well, we'll get to you in a second. No, you you go. Okay, you go. No, no, What's no, you your go. Decision? You go. Well, because I've moved to Maryland as well for the okay. same reason. But I've yes. still held on to my 400 f 2.8 lens thinking that, <laughs> well, I don't really want to swap that to, to, to Sony just yet. But like equally, I sort of think to myself, when on earth am I going to actually go and take both camera systems? Especially now that like my bag, I just downgraded my bag size and it's been so amazing. I just oh. grabbed the Peter Ooh, McKinnon um, Nomadic backpack, backpack and... Um, it is the bomb. Like, it's just the best. Oh. I took it to Bright last week and it's just really? everything fits perfectly. It's got so many little pockets can fit my jacket and everything. But love it to pieces. 
it's so much not necessarily smaller but just neater like less big chunky stuff um and so i kind right. of now look at myself and go matt you've really just got to get you just got to commit if you're going to switch commit to the switch don't kind of keep one toe in the other camp because you know with your nikon do you yeah. have a grip with it that's the other thing if you chuck a grip on it mm, changes no. it no, I'm not, I'm not doing the grip. You see, this is what I looked at with the Fuji GFX, the medium format. Mm. They have a, a 100 or a 100S. Now, they dumped the grip with the 100S so that it's a smaller, lighter camera. In fact, it's probably half the weight. So um, I'm not going to go with the grip for the Z7. Excuse the plane just flying over. hope that's not my flight. Um, so... I'm not doing that. It feels like a bit of a toy camera. I do like a big camera in my hands, but I'm sacrificing that that aesthetic in order to be able but, to just shoot with a small light camera. I've, but you don't you don't think throwing the grip on for your aeroplane stuff that wouldn't be enough to help? It may do. I hadn't thought thinking. of that, Matthew. I hate it again when you make sense because that way you're only carrying one extra little piece. I feel like I should be um, like the. And I'm not going to use Marie Kondo again because you have no idea who she is, still not having read her book. But um, no. I, I feel like I could be like a camera bag designer, you know, not to design bags, but to design people's individual bags, you know, like, oh, the, yeah. Oh, that'd be, how good would that be as yeah, a service? Yeah, like a camera bag consultant. You're, you're, you're like a therapist. Yeah. A counselor. Although you'd Matthew, have... Matthew Crummins, camera counselor. A camera counselor. <laughs> Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. No, that's, but that's, right. a, that's a, yeah, that's, that's an idea for you to think about. And for those people who are listening, thinking, and, and who have like a mirrorless and a DSLR still with two sets of lenses, please know that I'm disappointed in you. Um, commit, commit to the new system. <laughs> Don't carry two. Get this one. Is it. Anybody, have one system. Anybody else who, if anybody oh, else oh, is you, running a mirror, Mirror camera, they are they are so 1990. <laughs> well, it's not that. It's like, you know, on a workshop, I've had a couple of these these experiences where people turn up and they go, um, which camera should I bring? And I'm like, oh, which ones have you got? Thinking that it's going to be like I've got a 5D Mark something and a, you know, maybe a, a crop sensor version. And I kind of go, that makes logical sense. They both take the same lenses. Um, they're slightly different, but they're same brand, same everything. So the camera body's the difference. Yeah. Then I get this other group of people who go, Oh, I've got a um, you know, an Olympus OMD system, and I've got a Nikon full frame. And I think to myself, like, whilst they've got their different cameras that have got different purposes um, to them, at the end of the day, they are wildly different. And if you've got to carry both systems around, it just makes very little sense. So when you've got this mixed bag of two different brands, you just kind of go like, "What the?" You what? Firstly, it's very expensive. Why you have to buy double so- everything? Yeah, I think it's when people charge like, and double batteries, yeah. and that's why I think we're yeah. even. Uh, they, when they're you look between different. To they don't want to let go, and like I get it because camera secondhand camera gear doesn't, especially these days, if it's DSLR, doesn't get you a lot back. But um, it is so liberating no. to to kind of go, no, this is my kit. All the batteries work together. You know, the lenses are all compatible. Whatever I pick up out of my yeah. bag, it's like from that set, not like oh. You know, I use this one for this and I use that one for that. Because when you start traveling, yeah. geez, it's a hard decision to work out what you're going to take. Yeah. Do you know, Do you know? stupidly, you're quite right. I, I'm a hopeless packer, so I tend to overpack and I carry too much. And I actually, in Perth, put together a box with probably five kilos worth of stuff, including a, a Nikon D800 with the lens on it, and sent it, <laughs> sent it back to Melbourne. I had, Matt, I had a... I had a battery and a charger for a Pentax that I didn't even bring. I didn't even bring that camera with me. Why in the did hell like, was it in my camera bag? Did you just get like a big scoop and just like dig into the camera drawer and like <laughs> just like like, a, like the party mix um, lollies at the, uh, at the at the lolly shop? Just uh, scoop up bits of different boxes and just chuck it in. Oh man, I'm gonna purge. <laughs> I'm gonna purge when I get home. I tell you what, a good thing is about the Nikon system um, is that they kept the same battery from the D800, mm. D850s, whatever, for the Z7. Clever work, guys. That was a relief. Yeah. I'm not happy about this Q, X, Q, D. X, Q, D cards. Cards. Now, I understand, Matt, you'll be able to you're, – you're more technical than I am. I understand that. Well, I've actually got two for sale if you're after some. So, um, <laughs> I've got 128 gig and a 64 gig. How much? So, How much? Uh, well, look, we won't, we'll, we'll discuss talk off offline. We'll talk, we'll talk offline. offline. I'll get your people to speak to my people and we'll, we'll put together a deal. 
people together. Do you mean, should I, you're basically telling me I should call Mary. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't call her. She'll say, what the hell does he need that for? Um, I, I didn't realize that that was the new system. Um, they've only got the one. I bought the Z7. So you were speaking about secondhand gear. I actually bought the Z7 for $2,400. It looks brand new. The Z7 Mark II is about five, five and a half grand. And then I bought a secondhand um, 14 to 30 mil lens for about 1200 bucks. They're about 1900 new. Again, it's brand new. And then, um, the, but the Z7, not the Mark II, the first generation um, only takes the Q, the XQD. XQD, yeah, yeah. It doesn't take anything else. So I'm kind of hamstrung with a 64 gig, uh, takes about 700 pictures on it. Uh, well, I've got, as I said, I've got, I've got plenty of space over here for you because on my D850, it took a, an SD as well as the XQD. Oh, I didn't realize. Um, yeah. And the uh, that's the, you've, the thing with those cards is they're actually pretty good because they're so robust. Like they're very hard to break. Um, but then I sort of think I've never really broken an SD card either. So. Um, oh no, no, I have, be. I have the little plastic on the back that, that sort of separates all of those. Little, oh uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Silver contacts, but it's not after beyond be using though. I've had yeah. to. I've had. Yeah, I've had to throw it out. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you can so, still, like, um, you know, if you're on a shoot, you, you can still download your photos. If, you know, if you crack one of those little bits of plastic or something, you might not want to use the, yeah. the card again, but it's not going to leave you up the creek with no. going, oh, crap, there's no, you know, I've got no backup. No. But the thing is, they're very expensive. So and what I don't, I don't, sorry. What's the deal with them? So just, just do a little backtracking, the Q, the XQDs, yeah. well, they're, XQD. they're expensive, but they're, they're faster and, and more robust. Is that right? Well, that's kind they of it. But more. although XQDs sadly going out of fashion already, so um, XQ, I guess the, the the history in cards a little bit, and I'm not an expert in this, but from my knowledge of it, so we had compact flash cards a while back, and they were kind of almost they were before SD yep. cards, um, and then they came back a while for back, pro cameras. We had them, They've been around we had a while. Them back in I've the got late a two 90s. gig one. I yeah, twenty yeah. <laughs> two gig. I had a five hundred and twelve <laughs> megabyte one that I bought off eBay mm. for one hundred and eighty nine dollars. That's ridiculous. Five hundred and twelve megabyte, and yeah. so those cards came around because they're very, they are, um, they're quite secure cards. They're they they're um, less prone to errors. Um, you don't. I've never had to. I've never had a, a compact flash card fail or um, or have like an no. issue. Whereas SD cards, um, they're cheaper, but they are also. Um, I guess they are more prone to failure. They're more, more prone to breaking and things like that. And the thing with SD cards as well is traditionally they've not been as fast. So whilst they're a lot cheaper, they're slower. And for most people, that doesn't really make a difference. Right. But if you're doing burst rates and no. th- things like that, you know, when you start talking D850s, Z7s, um, all those kinds of cameras, you are starting to talk about high frame rate and very large files. So if you don't want all the buffering to have, you know, uh, in the camera, you need a very fast card. And so uh, Compact Flash kind of then changed to all the offshoots of that. There was, you know, Sony had the memory sticks and stuff like that. And now they've gone to XQD in, in uh, Nikon. But they're the only ones to have adopted yep. it. And unfortunately, Sony's the only Are brand really? who makes them. So it's weird. Like Sony makes the sensors oh, for um, Nikon as well. But um, they, Sony make the XQD cards. Um, then there's, I think, yeah, I think Canon's the only one who makes their own sensors. Um then uh, what well, the there's I think Lexar might have brought out XQD cards for a moment and then they've stopped and there's another brand that's claiming to do them. But what's happened since then, since the D850, is that all of a sudden everyone has adopted the new system, which actually looks the same um, almost. It's the uh, Compact Flash Type A card, and it looks like an XQD card. Um, it's faster and they're a little bit cheaper and they're compatible across tons of different cameras. So. It's a bit right. of a weird one. I, I agree with you. I think like it's. I hate it when camera brands bring out these niche cards and niche products that even between their camera models aren't compatible. You know, like I've got a D810 yep. which has got a compact flash card, and I've got probably you know these days they're worth nothing, but at the time they're worth nearly a thousand bucks in cards. Then I got my 850 compact flash card disappeared, XQD appeared, so I bought another thousand dollars in cards, and then that's now disappeared and going to compact. Um, compact flash type a and my sony takes luckily it takes compact flash a's as well as just regular um what are they uhsm uh, sd cards um or uhm i can't even what they're called but um but yeah essentially it's the speed but also a bit of the reliability i think um so right. yeah so I, where's it going i, I really the future what's going to be what's going to well, succeed think, sd 
I have, to be honest, I'm not an expert in this at all, but I would say that if you look around at the moment, I think most brands have picked up compact flash type A. It's, it's, um, they're cross compatible in the same slots almost as the SD cards. Um, they seem to be just as fast or faster. Um, they've got big sizes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's funny as well because it's you becoming less relevant. Like I've got my, um, you my can't Sony put a compact flash type card into an AQ. XQD slot? Well, the slots, I think, are the same, but it's the way that the car, whether or not the actual um, device is capable of reading it is a different question. So I'm not 100% sure. Um, right. That might be... I'm exactly. sure that's a really quick Google question. But I look at it and go, I'm wondering how relevant this is going to be in the future. I'll give you an example. The Sony camera I picked up, it shoots 30 frames a second at 50 megapixels. And yeah, that's like three yep. and a half gig a second or something I worked out. Um, now, that's a lot of data. So, right? you, so you, you need... Um, your, your card is not going to last very long if you're shooting... It uh, doesn't last very long, no. Stuff. No, well, I mean, like, it, I tend to find you don't, you don't just hold your finger down and just, like, walk around shooting essentially video in 50 megapixels. <laughs> um, <laughs> although I did you see an experiment with, with that the other day. The guy did it. It looked amazing. But the... Um, you're doing selfies <laughs> with all of that. The crux of this is that um, these Go cameras on. shoot really high frame rates and they shoot really high megapixels. They've got lots of data. But what camera companies are doing now as well is they're adding a huge buffer internally in the camera. So what happens is if I shoot like 100 photos in a row, it doesn't actually write 100 photos you know, to the card or write 30 photos a second. It's got the capability to actually internally buffer like 200 shots. And so I can hold my finger yeah. down for 10 seconds and there'll be no interruption even on a slow yep. card. And then it's how long yep. does it take for it to clear those out from the camera onto the card? And I sort of think to myself that I think that's where the future is going to be is that at some point you go, well, there's no real need for it to write to the card really quickly because if you've got a big enough buffer, um, you know, as long as you're pausing between burst modes, which you do, if you don't, even if you're doing wildlife, you don't just sit there going... You sort of, you know, you might do a one-second burst or a half-second burst followed by 20 seconds of nothing, half-second burst. And, um, and yeah, I, I think that's probably where the future's going. I don't know that they, they're going to improve or they need to improve cards too much more. They're, they're at the point now where it's more the camera improvements will make the difference, I think. Rant over. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a curveball at you. <laughs> well done. Well done, young man. I, I, why is it that we have removable cards in cameras anyway? Um. Well, I guess from a security perspective, that would make sense. You know, you break your camera, uh, it's going to be a pain in the ass. But why? Why don't they have it so hmm. that they have internal memory, and you just plug your camera into yeah. your laptop and download that way? That's a good question. I reckon some cameras do have a bit of internal memory, but um, I think it's probably. I guess if you went on a trip and you want to be able to swap your cards out, um, you know, because if your internal memory is not big enough. Um, I guess the other okay, thing is if you have your stuff stolen, so from a backup perspective, you wouldn't just yep. leave one SD card in your camera for like a three-week trip. You'd, you'd sort of try and cycle through them. Some people through. would. Some people would. Yeah, they but, probably, um, and they probably get their camera wet and, and then breaks and then they lose everything. I know there's, I know there's, I know there's plenty of logical arguments that tell you that they shouldn't do it and it's nice and convenient to be able to swap your cards out. And I mean, I'm, I'm paranoid. I have to download almost immediately because I want to make sure that I've at least got backups of what I'm shooting. Mm. Other people are happy to leave their photos on cards for days. And when I've done that, I've tended to um, end up having a corrupt card, you know, just by chance. But yeah. remember, when, remember when Apple came out with the iPhone? What was the biggest issue that people had with it? Uh, it was I was the, probably no, too you young, Tom. The battery. You couldn't swap yeah. get stuffed. You couldn't swap the battery in and out. And everyone went, that's ludicrous. What are we going to do when it runs out of power? They've never succumbed to that, right? So yeah. I reckon that there'll be cameras, there'll be camera manufacturers that go ahead and they go, you don't need to put a card in anymore. And people will go, oh, but what happens when it fills up? It'll be like, well, it'll be such tough. a big internal memory that, yeah, and tough, tough titties, you know, make sure that or, you or have it download. Or it'll have a SIM card as well, and it'll auto back up to the cloud and clear itself out or something. <laughs> what about what but, about you could plug in one of your external SD cards um, and just download to that on the fly? Yeah, yeah, like a back back up to an SD card. Oh, you know, I'm genius. I'm well ahead of the curve. You know? 
Well, the downside of this, um, Tom, that you haven't realized is camera companies are not there for you. They're there to make revenue. And <laughs> I'll give you an example. If um, the card that I've just bought for my camera, it's a tiny little SD card. It actually looks quite pathetic and um, sad. That cost me <laughs> nearly $400. Well, but... no, it just looks like, do you know what I mean? It's not colorful. It doesn't, there's nothing exciting about it. It's just a little chip and it says 256 gigabyte on it. It's a very fast card. It's one of the Sony tough ones and it cost me nearly 400 bucks. And um, I yep. look at it and go, Sony's not going to be in any rush to say, oh, I know what we can do. We could cut our revenue in SD cards by building in <laughs> memory and then people are not going to pay more for the camera either. Um, I suspect that, um, you know, there are lots of things in photography land, much like any technology where um, some of the accessories and peripheries um to, to that camera, that's probably what makes these businesses tick. It's almost like if you designed the perfect lens, like an f1.4, you know, uh, 16 to 400, for instance, um, I mean, it'd be the size of a classroom, but if you designed a lens like that and you could <laughs> physically do it, I suspect they wouldn't do it because, yeah. hell, there's all your lenses gone. So um, that, that, that's lenses, where I reckon... have to charge $100,000 for the lens. Yeah, yeah I hear, well, hear you saying... Even, are you trying Even to tell S- me that somebody's already thought of this already? Well, I, I, I reckon there's somebody's a couple of people sat around a table discussing this stuff before, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what? Like, think about ND filters as well, right? How easy would it be to have, um, you know, in a camera, when you think about where the shutter mechanism is, how easy would it be to have a 10-stop piece of glass built into the camera that you can literally flick down? Because they do it in video cameras. It's if you look at pro video cameras. Done already. Done already. But I not had, on my I had a client on my yeah, no, not on mass. I had a client like, in my you're talking about Olympus. workshop. They had, a, they had an Olympus with the ND. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's an artificial ND. So that's the same way you can use your iPhone's got a built-in ND filter as well. It, you still, it works you still on, get the result you want, don't you? Uh, you sort of do. Like it's a digital rendition of it. So it, in lots of situations, it works really well. Um, but there are some situations where um, if there's certain types of movement or conditions, I don't think it works quite as perfectly. So it actually works on right. the taking short video clips um, rather than, uh, and, and, and I guess, I don't know if you've seen a live composite feature, but it's essentially like a, a, an extrapolation of live composite where it can shoot short video clips right. and then merge those pixels. So um, at least that's my understanding. Um, but I'm talking about a physical like piece of glass. Like if you go and buy a pro Sony video camera, right, which are, you know, probably the go-to brand for a lot of pro, you know, um, I'll say on location filmmakers, um, they often have a built-in glass ND filter. You can flick the switch down and you can physically hear it move in front of the sensor. Um, and I right. think to myself, like, how, how easy would that be? And that would that would remove all the need for this jug, like crap on the front of your camera. You can whack a polarizer on still. Yep. It just, but again... I don't know, that industry, uh, it's, yeah, I feel like it's, um, that that would cut out a lot of a lot of work in that industry it's, maybe. It's, it's maybe I'm evolving. just, maybe I'm it's very evolving. pessimistic, yeah. Yeah. Do and what's, this, um, so you tell me. this pixel shift? Do you get that, just on this, do, do you get that pixel shifting technology? I'm not, I'm not, I, I've been explained how it works, but then how is it you can get like a 400 megabyte <laughs> megapixel file out of a 100 megapixel camera just by shifting the sensor a little. Well, you know how you do a panorama? Yeah. Like if you did a pano stitch, so you did four yep. shot pano, then it would become a 400 megabyte or megapixel photo, yep. right? Yep. Um, this is exactly the same except there's pixel overlap. So what it does is essentially the, the pixels are overlapped, which gives you four times the resolution because you get to see all the details between the pixels. So if you've got two pixels, right? And like there's obviously in the real world, there's more detail than those two pixels. There's down to the microscopic dirt, you know, in the rock sort of thing. When you take that second shot, it moves over by half a pixel, not a full pixel. Yes. So it goes over by half a pixel. Now you get four steps of resolution rather than two. And then it shifts the sensor up. So yeah, it's, it, it does work. It it definitely works. Um, I've never used it because I can't see the point in getting that much resolution, but, um, for many, for most people, I should say, um, and there's also going to be some weirdness uh, around. You know, if you've got any breeze, for instance, and you've got subjects moving, um, it's not going to be a perfect pixel shift. So that extra resolution you get, you've got to ask yourself: 
is it really going to improve it or because there's movement during the shots or between shots, yes. is it capturing sort of yep. artificial pixels? Um, that's a biggie, I guess, that I'd sort of consider. Although that said, if you can shoot like some of these cameras now shooting, let's you know use the, 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 the new um, Canon R5, it shoots 30 frames a second or 25 frames a second as well. And you go, it, it can sh- literally shoot those four photos um, in one twenty fifth of also what is it you know in a yeah in a one twenty fifth or something of a second or a fifth of a second and you go how much movement actually occurred during that t- time probably virtually none so yeah um, right. in fact you can do, do on some of these cameras they claim you can do it handheld as well so um, but you know for your average Joe like you'd know this geez some of your gallery photos are taken on a drone like uh, it's they're not stupid resolution um, do you need it no I mean you're the person who would know. Because you do the big prints. Oh no, no, I don't. I don't think you need any more than fifty megapixels, to be honest. And and to get to just point to that fact as well, um, I spoke with Jeff Murray, who's a keen photographer down in Tassie, who does a lot of hiking and has just had the same dilemma that I had, been shooting on D eight fifties and then wanted to lighten his load, so he's gone to the Z seven, and he said he. He said to me on the phone the other day, the quality of the files coming out of that camera is amazing. He said it's 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 better than his 850, and I like how come? And he he couldn't really explain it other than it's cl- it's cleaner. the The quality of the files is unbelievable. Yeah, so I, I can't wait to print one to see what it'll look like. But on the computer screen, they're so clean. They're like the Pentax. They're clean. They're sharp. That that 14 to 30 mil lens is ridiculously wide. And at, even at 14 mil, I've, I've checked it out. The, the corners are a little soft, but they're not anything that people are going to look at and go, oh, my God, that's way out. So the technology, it's an F4 lens too, by the way. You know, like I think the other point that I failed to mention earlier was that it seems, and I might be wrong, but it seems, I don't know whether it's a mirrorless issue or what it is, but, you know, in the past you'd buy the 2.8 lenses because you want a better, sharper glass. It seems mm. like they're getting the, the same sharpness out of an F4 lens. And like us as landscape photographers don't need to shoot a 2.8. Mm. We're shooting at F11, F8, F16, right? So the the idea of spending the money and having extra weight on a 2.8 lens is seemingly irrelevant. I'm now, you know, I'm a pro landscape photographer. I'm shooting on a Z7 with a 14 to 30 F4 lens and a 24 to 70 F4 lens and they weigh 1,600 grams all up for that body and two lenses, and the quality is outstanding. And this is the thing, isn't it? Like you, when people buy this gear, if you are just into your landscapes, the, the one thing that really I guess um, I look at as well is if you're into landscape photography and you buy the f2.8 super ultra wide, they're usually like a bulbous lens, so adding filters on is a real pain. Yep. Whereas um, on most F4 lenses, by the time you get down to that aperture, they can actually afford to have flat lens, or, you know, a flat yep. element on the end. And exactly. so you get, a, you get a filter thread. Yep. So even just something as simple as adding a polarizer yep. for the right scene, mm-hmm. um, if you've got a bulbous lens, geez, that's a pain in the ass. Whereas, um, yeah, you've got, you've got the F4 version, you just whack it straight on. I actually use the same. I use the 1635 that- F4 Nikon and, and found exactly the same thing. Right. Yeah. In that, fact, that if you Nikon, look at the charts, that's sharper than the two eight. Yeah. <laughs> is it really? Right. Yeah, that yeah. that Nikon sixteen to thirty five f two point eight is a beast of a lens. It's like freaking huge mm. for the for for what it does. It's so big. It really unless is. you're into astro, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. No, like and, astro, it might be good, and even then, you can get better astro lenses. Really. Well, well, okay. So this is interesting. So this is t- another topic: is when will ISO become irrelevant? Because if you're saying, oh, it's better for Astro, and I'm saying, well, just use an F4 lens and bump up the ISO by another stop, and you go, yeah, but but then you're compromising on quality. Well, hold on. I've never taken an Astro shot at ISO 3200 or 1600 that I'd happily print and put in the gallery anyway. So it's just yeah. it's just for social, right? So what does it matter what ISO you're using? I shot that fire picture that you were referring to yesterday morning at ISO 3200. I brought it into – I brought it into um, into Lightroom and I added some luminance, uh, you know, reduction to get rid of some noise in the really dark areas. 
but at ISO 3200, it's amazing. It is amazing. Well, I'd, I would what, consider printing from it, whereas in the past, I wouldn't have considered printing anything at that ISO. Well, and, and this is the funny thing, isn't it? Like, even if you go a step further, um, and I know that we don't have time to talk about this topic, and I know this week you don't have time to research it, but I think in the future <laughs> we should do this as an experiment. What's research? Um, <laughs> that's it. Who's Marie Kondo? Um, ah. <laughs> so there is, um, there's two pieces of software that have come out in the last little while, um, one very recently, um, but you might have heard of Topaz um, AI Sharpen and AI Denoise. I, yeah. And I've right. played with the Denoise, and to be honest, I thought it was impressive, but it equally I didn't spend too much time mucking around with it because I'm a bit like you. If I'm not printing big, I just, I just don't care if it's got a bit of grain in it. Um, if it's for socials no. and then, um, but the new one that's come out really blows my mind because I still can't work out why people would buy it, but I'm sure there's a good reason because people are talking about it and it's from DXO and it's called um, Pure Raw and it actually claims to pre-process right. raw files before they get to Lightroom. So unlike AI Sharpen and Denoise, which you process in Lightroom and then throw it through the processor to denoise it, this one actually takes your raw file and improves the it takes it gets rid of the mosaic it gets rid of um, right. most of the noise and grain um, and it can also supposedly improve the general picture quality with sharpening and then it spits it out as a dng and you ingest that into lightroom and start editing from there and you end up with grain free photos and i've seen some reviews on it and they're bragging and raving about it i'm thinking i don't understand because you can do a lot of this stuff in lightroom um, and AI Sharpen and Denoise already do most of this. Why is this such a special thing? Calling it like pure raw as though it affects the raw file and doesn't do something else. I can't quite work it out, but I reckon that that's, you know, the future of, of ISO performance. Cameras are going to get way better, but also I just think the software is going to be at the point where you can just, you'll be able to do a one click and it'll just go, yep. here's a clean file and probably add yep. a few extra stars in there yep. and stuff like that as well. Yeah. So you're right. I, I think I right. both those lines. I think it's absolutely true. I think what's going to happen is the camera companies want to get a leg up on each other by saying, hey, our, our high ISOs are the best around. So that's a competitive advantage. But then, as you've said, you've got software manufacturers out there going, well, don't bother. We'll, we'll provide the software for you. And, yeah. uh, and so those two combined just means that, again, I think, I think we're going into this amazing area where ISO is, is – particularly below a thousand ISO is going to become largely irrelevant. Absolutely. And how good is that going to be just to shoot on whatever ISO you want? Well, you know, the only thing though I would, I would mention, I, again, I, don't, I know we don't have heaps of time to talk about it, but grain is not the only downside of ISO. And I think that that's something that people overlook a little bit as well. So oh. if you increase your ISO, yes. you also drop your dynamic range dramatically. You do. So yeah, you start you shooting at ISO 3200 going, oh, I couldn't be, I don't care about the grain and you're shooting a landscape. Right. You might well find that yeah. you know, the ability to recover things is way lower. And you also have massive hits to your color fidelity as well. So Ooh. whilst in landscapes, you can kind yeah, of artificially yeah. pump that up. Well, you know, so if you take a portrait of someone and you take it at 100 ISO and then you take a portrait of someone at yeah. ISO 3200, the skin tones will look rubbish at the 3200 level. Um, but they'll look great at yeah. 100. And so part of that is that I yeah, think yeah. when you're in a situation where you need to pump the ISO up, you're probably in a low light situation where the color rendition, rendering isn't very good anyway. You know, like if you it's go to an event anyway. and people, yeah. yeah, you kind of go, the color was crap anyway, but just because you can amplify it, it's not going to improve the color. It'll improve the exposure, but the actual color is still rubbish. Um, so I do this yeah. at event photography yeah. all the time when I see people going, oh, but I don't need a flash. I can just shoot with my F1.2 lens and, you know, at high ISO and you go, cool, you probably yep. can, but if you're under tungsten lighting where everything's kind of got that brown pooey wash over it anyway, all the white balancing <laughs> in the world is not going to fix that because there's just a lack of color spectrum in the first place. So um, it's a bit of a catch 22, but I think you're right though. Like it's, it's nice in certain situations when you don't have a choice, you either get motion blur or ISO. It would be nice just to go, Oh, who cares? ISO is ISO. And to be honest, I kind yep. of already take that approach. I kind of go, it's not a good measure of a photographer. Cause if I gave you, you know, your Pentax, which is amazing for your, your performance. And then I gave you a, I don't know, Nikon D2100, which is probably from 20 years ago. Um, you're still the same photographer yep. having to make the same choices 
But if the image quality is different, that's not really a reflection of the photographer. It's kind of a reflection of the budget. And um, and the moment so we start measuring people's photography by budget, yeah. it's, you know, then, then we're in trouble. <laughs> We've been doing yeah. it for years, mate. I know, years. I know, I know. Look the, at him. He's professional. This is, this is I like that lens. It's, it's a perfect way to sum up this, this conversation and this podcast, which is that everybody seems to think that the more money you spend on your camera gear, the better photographer you'll be or the better photographs you'll take. And, and you know, I kind of feel like a bit of a, a fraud running with a, a Z7 with F4 lenses. It's kind of my ego's taking a bit of a hit, but I'm like, who cares? I'm still shooting good pictures. No one's going to say to me, oh, what did you shoot that on? Because, you know, it, it doesn't look, I don't know, whatever. What did you shoot that on? Oh, F4. Well, I don't like it as much anymore because it should really be shot on a 2.8 lens. Get it, get stuffed. So, so, so everyone listening, can I just ask, let's make it our mission to comment on all of Tom's photos for the next couple of months. <laughs> just saying, Here we go. what rubbish camera? Was that an F4 lens? Jeez. It's an F4 lens, I can tell. It's so <laughs> frigging soft. It's like you've run rubbed Vaseline all over the lens. What are you doing, Tom? Get real. Come on, spend some money. <laughs> oh, all right, Manny. Well, that's bad awesome. Hey, I'm, I am going to put those files up on the on the Facebook tribe now on the tribe on the, on the podcast page to show you um, what that looks like with those denoising at the ISO 3200. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, let's catch up next next week, next Tuesday, because then um, I'll be able to report on our amazing heli trip and tell you all about it and boast and gloat. Mm. And you can just be, I mm, reckon it's going to have to be after Tuesday because I'm in bright next week with my team. Um, But, uh, yeah, sorry. Re- I thought um, the world revolved about Remy. It does sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, or it feels that way at least. Thanks so. for saying that. Thanks for saying that. That's so nice. Um, but we will definitely catch up very shortly. And I'd love to hear back on. Um, and you know, I really, I know it's too late now, but I would love to for you to have gotten the grip for that Z7 just to check it out, see how it makes a difference in the helicopter. But um, but yeah, it's gonna be cool to see. And I, I've, I'm off. Uh, I've got some shots from my new mirrorless as well. So um, I'll uh, I'll endeavour to chuck those up onto uh, Facey oh, at some point we, as well. We I feel like I stole the conversation because we didn't talk at all about your your Sony. Mirrorless. Not really so, seeing anything. It's, we'll do uh, it's, it does a great job at the moment. But yeah, we'll <laughs> chat about that another time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll just, I'll just order, I'll order one of those Z7 groups and have it posted up here with everything else I've ordered and forgotten that I uh, I needed to bring. There's going to be about five <laughs> parcels five parcels arriving next week uh, because I'm I'm actually here for another three weeks. So, all right, Maddie. Beautiful. Well, lovely I'll, to chat uh, with you, mate. We'll speak to you time. soon. See ya. Have fun. Bye. 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 Bye.